We sat in traffic, only periodically inching forward. For a while, we held out hope that it would clear that we would still be able to make it to church on time, but the longer we waited in the highway-turned parking lot, the less likely that seemed. We were disappointed, and at the same time, our eyes were being opened to another community's reality. We were on a bus, and we were waiting to pass through an Israeli checkpoint so that we could worship with St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Ramallah, a city in the West Bank. Passage through is unpredictable at best for everyone. Some days we sailed through a security checkpoint with relative speed and ease. And other times we waited and waited and waited. Together with other cars and buses, just as long lines of Palestinians on foot waited in the hot sun to make it through as well, trying to get to work or to a doctor's appointment. When we finally made it into the gorgeous old city of Ramallah, we were 45 minutes late for the service. And so we planned to try to quietly sneak in the back, hoping that maybe we would be there in time for communion at least. But as we started off the bus, we got word that the whole congregation had held the service for us, waiting 45 minutes for all these pilgrims to join them. Hardly able to believe it, we hurried in as the opening hymn began. The service was in both English and Arabic. The church was small and stunning. It was made of stone, the wooden pews filling the space, huddling us together almost as if we were in a cave. We heard the lessons, there were prayers back and forth in both languages, the rector preached. And then later in the service, the congregation began singing again. My daughter Alice and I fumbled with our bulletin, but we couldn't find the words in English. And then the music grabbed us and we stopped and we looked at each other I know this, Alice quietly exclaimed, her eyes bright, and I nodded, delighted. It was a familiar tune, one we had sung countless times, one she began hearing in utero. And now here we were at a church in the West Bank, worshiping in a language we did not know, and yet we understood As everything slid into focus for me in that moment, I I had the experience of singing a new song, or perhaps more specifically, singing a very old song in a new way. It's what the psalmist is calling us into this morning from across so many years. Did you hear it? They invited us in saying, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the whole earth. 
And the psalmist goes on inviting us to sing to God and bless God's name, to shout out the good news of what God is doing, to sing of the healing and grace that God brings day by day. The psalmist calls on us to declare God's glory among the nations. Which means, yes, even when they clash explosively and share out God's wonders with all people. Singing a new song to God or singing an ancient song but in a new way. It is what I find myself longing for these days, as each time I look at the news, it is more horrific. Both in the news and in so many conversations, I see the pull to take sides. I see the very human desire to find the wrong, to identify the person or the group we can blame for the terrible things that are happening. And I get it. It's understandable because if we can point to the problem, then then maybe it will give us some sense of order, of control. But what if it's not that simple? What if so much is wrong and so many people are fearful and hurting and all are loved? What if it's true that living under the Israeli occupation makes for a terrible and oppressed life? And it's also true that what Hamas has done is brutal terrorism. Can both be true? And if they are, and if we can hold both at once, then how are we to respond How can we even begin to imagine singing a new song or singing an old song in a new way at a time like this? I've been wrestling with this question, wrestling since the attacks and the declaration of war and also earlier. I was wrestling last year when I visited the Holy Land and saw the impossibly tall walls topped with razor wire, standing to separate people. And when I saw the remnants of Palestinian olive orchards burned to the ground by Israeli settlers, and when I saw the the ache in the faces of Israelis recounting their fear living through past attacks, When I saw all this and more, I wondered how on earth we can begin to reach or respond. What would that new song be? As I've wrestled and pondered and prayed, two practices have surfaced for me. I don't think they are the answer per se. I don't think there's any one answer but I think they could be a way to begin. Two practices, kinship and listening. First, kinship. Generally, we tend to think of kin as something that that simply is. 
the people we are related to, our family, or, or maybe the community that we have chosen. It arrives as a noun, as a way to understand relationships and order them in our lives. And I think it's more than that. It's something we can do, something we can actively reach for and create. We can foster a sense of kinship even with people we have never met before. Reach for the understanding that even still we belong to each other. When we first arrived in the Holy Land, Alice and I stayed with a family we had not met before then in Nablus, a Palestinian city in the West Bank. They are safe so far, and they are bracing for how the conflict, conflict will grow and spread in the West Bank as it already is. But I don't want to tell you about more bad news or predictions. I want to tell you about people. The parents in the family, Gaida and Fadas, are the model of vibrant hospitality. I have never eaten more than when I did than I did when staying with them. Fadas runs a small shop downtown, and Gaida is busy with their three children: Sophia, who's 11, Selma, who is six, and Isaldine who is two and a half. This fall, the girls have been enamored with their new kitten. The pictures on WhatsApp are very, very cute. The kids are smart and capable and resilient, even as they, or because they, are growing up with the continual, continual challenges of living under occupation. And their kids... They loved playing round after round of Uno with Alice. They, they probably watch too many cartoons on TV, and they delight in singing their favorite songs at the top of their lungs with their cousins. We fell in love with them while we were there, and we became kin. We have both so little and so much in common. And with all the barriers of language and culture and religion and geography, we have to reach for it. We have to choose it. We have to practice kinship together. The second practice I've been reflecting on is one of listening. How we practice listening. It's a return to that new song and to that old song sung in a new way. How do we slow down enough to really hear? How do we reach to take in more voices and find more places and perspectives than would be our default? How can we practice listening in order to be changed? It is It is a thing of wonder, then, and full of grace that Jack has been teaching us and guiding us towards this way all year. He's been helping us to sing a new song, to sing many new songs, right? And he has 
absolutely been helping us learn to sing in a new way, to put down our papers, to listen, to listen again. It has been uncomfortable at times. I'm sure many of you have seen the Sundays when he comes to teach the part to the altar party. I don't have a poker face. And sometimes it's funny. Sometimes we've belly flopped and had to start over entirely. And sometimes, sometimes when we're all really listening, both to him and to the whole congregation, listening to how it fits together, sometimes then it works. It clicks. It holds. And it's beautiful. Jack's teaching us to practice listening in a new way, in a way that we can continue far beyond that moment in the service out into the rest of our lives. These two practices, kinship and listening, they, they feel like the signposts I need right now. I don't know the way forward. I don't know what the solution in the Holy Land is or if there is a way to keep, the, keep things from getting much, much worse. I don't really know what we ought to do besides praying and giving money, neither of which feel sufficient right now. But I think this is how we can begin. Because I think this is how we may move slowly in the direction of singing a new song and of singing an ancient and beloved song in a new way. Through it all, no matter what else happens, we can practice kinship and we can practice listening. And in that, I trust that God will be present and moving and leading us forward.